Well, good morning, Parkview. My name is Wade, and uh, I have the joy of loving and serving these amazing college students over here. And it's a great little setup here, a little bit different than usual, but I think it's lovely. It kind of has this family feel, and, uh, which is good because that's what we are, right? Uh, Jesus, uh, in Jesus, right, we have a Father who loves us and a Spirit who empowers us and helps us enjoy the Lord. And so we're going to go from enjoying the Lord through song to enjoying Him through the Word. So if you would open your Bibles with me to John chapter 1, the Gospel of John chapter 1. And uh, we're in a new series, a little shorter kind of Advent uh, Christmas series called The Light Came Down. And the theme of light is a major theme throughout the Gospel of John and especially in what's called the prologue of John, kind of this intro section of the Gospel of John. So we're really thinking about what it means that Christ is the light who has come down into our darkness. So that's what we're thinking about. And as you're turning there, and before we pray, I just want to reflect on the lyrics from one of the great Christmas hymns, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. It's one of my favorites. Many of you probably know that that song. And it goes like this, O come thou day spring, it's an old school word for, for morning light. Uh, o come thou day spring, come and cheer our spirits by thy advent here. Advent, the coming of Christ. Disperse the gloomy clouds of night and death's dark shadows put to flight. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel shall come to thee, O Israel. So here's a question What are your gloomy clouds of night? Okay, what is it in your life right now that you would consider to be darkness? It's the thing in your life that you wish God would dispel, that he would put it to flight, that he would get rid of it, that he would overcome it. What, what is that darkness? What in your life haunts you the most? And what we're going to do is going to look at John 1, 1 to 5, because it's written uh, for God's people to encourage them to convince them, actually, in the midst of the darkness that, that the light has come, the light has come down, to be in the midst of it and to do something with that darkness. And so I'm going to read it out loud, the passage, and we're all going to listen to God's word. Hear now God's word for us. John 1, starting in verse 1. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. This is God's word. It is true, and it is given to us in love. So if you're willing, please pray with me. Father, help us see Christ today with all of our hearts. Please give us your Holy Spirit so that we would meet with Jesus through your word. Lord, revive us, revive us again that we would rejoice in you. I pray for Pastor Doug Schillinger at North Campus and Pastor Doug Fern at East Campus that you would empower them by your Holy Spirit to preach your gospel with clarity and strength to every person who is listening. And that you would use the preaching of your word in each campus to draw those who have yet to come to know you, Jesus, but also to grow and strengthen and mature those who are already 
connected to you by faith and that you would make us a community of people loving Jesus and being sent from here as a witness and demonstration of the power of Christ. So I ask that you pray for yourself right now. Pray that Jesus would help you see how he is the light in your dark. And then I would ask that you would pray for me that I would preach Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit. Father, dispel the gloomy clouds of night. Give us lights and high beauty forever with Christ. Fill us with all of your fullness. Amen. Amen. So what is your gloomy cloud of night? What is that pocket of darkness that most afflicts you and just discourages you? Well, recently a 24-7 student shared their testimony, their story with our community about a darkness that they had been walking through for a long time. Here's what they said. For many years of my life, if I would have been asked to give one Bible verse that summarized my relationship with God, I would have chosen Matthew 27, 46, which says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I knew God was real, but he did not feel near. Don't you, isn't that just true of ex, your life right now, oftentimes? Many of us, I would assume, we believe God exists, that he's there, he's real, but a felt sense of his reality and presence is just not there, exactly what the student is talking about. I knew he is real, but he did not feel near. In many cases, it felt like he did not care. They go on to explain a severe battle with anxiety, and they explain it in this way. Anytime my anxiety started to spike, I would get an empty feeling like I was completely alone. It felt like God did not care about this major issue in my life. I did not think that he was even remotely, not even remotely close to me during those times. I felt completely forsaken. That is darkness. That is darkness. And many of us in this room right now know what this student is talking about. Maybe for you, it's not mind-bending anxiety. For some of us, it is suffering through the death of a beloved friend or spouse or parent. For others, it is the affliction we experience day in, day out with certain dark thoughts towards God, that he is fundamentally at his heart, unkind towards us, ungenerous towards us, and spiteful against us. Others of us feel the darkness in our sexuality. Maybe we were mistreated at some point in our lives or introduced to an explicit website at a young age that we never wanted to see, but we did, and the trajectory of our lives shifted from that point onward, darkness. Others of us battle the darkness and selfish desires we wish, we wish were not there, and we long for good desires, healthy desires that, are, that ought to be there, but are not, it, right? We, we have this kind of uh, pull within us. We keep wanting the bad stuff, and we wish we would like and enjoy the good stuff, but it's not happening. Darkness of our daily experience. And all of us, no matter who we are, we've experienced the shame of not living with integrity of heart in our relationships, 
uh, at home or at work or in our private thought world. See, John 1, 1 to 5 is written to people living in a world filled with darkness. What we'll see later on explained as, as this experience of being estranged from God, uh, the, the realm of evil. Like a lamp that's been unplugged from the socket, our world no longer functions the way it ought, and our hearts are filled with darkness as well. We are like a rusting Pontiac in a garage somewhere. We no longer shine the way we were originally meant to. We, we have been disconnected from the source of light and life, God himself, and we experience that that darkness. But the good news of John 1, 1 to 5 is that light shines in the darkness. The big aim this morning, the one thing I want you to come away with is this. Jesus the Word disperses, dispels the darkness with his light. Jesus the Word dispels the darkness with his light. Or we could say it like this. Jesus defeats our darkness. If our darkness, that thing uh, that, that afflicts you most, that discourages you most. If it got in a fight with Jesus, first round, knockout punch by Jesus every time, okay? If it got in a wrestling match with Jesus, it's pinned, first move, first round, every time. Jesus wins. Our darkness will lose every time. Darkness cannot, John 1, verse 5, it cannot, has not overcome the light. That's what we're looking at. So we're going to see it in two ways, okay? Verse 1 to 4 is the word which is light, and then verse 5 is the light in the dark, okay? Verses 1 to 4, the word which is the light, and then verse 5, the light in the dark. We're going to see that Jesus defeats the dark, okay? Let's look at verses 1 to 4, the word which is light. The first phrase of this passage says what? Verse 1, in the beginning was the word. Now, that ought to alert us that John is echoing the Old Testament story in creation of Genesis 1. Remember that reading the New Testament and oftentimes reading the Gospels, it's like you're entering into a movie like an hour and a half late and you sit down and there's characters on stage and there's stuff being said and there's a plot that's, and you feel a bit lost, right? Unless you leave the movie, buy the ticket for the next showing and start the beginning. And that's what oftentimes it happens as we encounter the Gospels. What we see is they're referencing all these things, especially the Gospel of John. Nearly like every page is just filled with Old Testament references about the story that's been continuing and fulfilling in Jesus. So here John's going all the way to the beginning and actually even before that. And what he's trying to show us is that Jesus, the Word, is God, the very same God. Look at verse 1, or think about verse 1 of Genesis. What's going to happen? I'm going to read the, the first four verses of Genesis, and then read the first four verses of John 1. Okay, Genesis 1, John 1. And we're just going to compare and see what they are saying. Okay, verse 1 of Genesis. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was formless and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And God said, here's God's word, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. Okay, Genesis 1, 1 to 4. Now, if we summarize that all together, what would we get? Maybe a sentence like this. In the beginning, through his word, right, verse 3, God said, God creates light to deal with the darkness. In the beginning, through his word, God creates light to deal with the darkness. Now, sometimes when we read the first part of Genesis, especially the, the first couple of verses, we forget verse 2, that darkness was hovering, was there. Darkness was present. It's kind of this uh, chaotic entity that God then dispels, disperses, and separates from the light by speaking his word. 
Fascinating, okay? Now, let's look at John 1, 1 to 5. Look at John 1, 1 to 5. 1 to 4, sorry. What are the words or phrases that would immediately jump out at you? In the beginning was the word. Word was with God. Word was God in the beginning. The word was with God. All things were made through him, right? Verse 3. In him was life. Verse 4. The life is the light of men. And then verse 5. Light shines in the darkness. Darkness cannot overcome it. So if we slow down a bit, and just like Genesis 1, if we put that, what we just saw in John 1, 1 to 5, all together into one sentence, what might we get? Well, something like this. Through his word, God creates light that dispels the darkness. Through his word, God creates light that dispels the darkness. Now, does that sound familiar or what? Now, what is John doing here? Well, you see, in our passage, John is retelling the creation story from Genesis 1, but with a twist. And the twist is, instead of the word being in the background, now the word is front and center. Explicitly, the word, Jesus, is the centerpiece of what's happening in creation. You see, in our passage, we might uh, what's happening is that John is showing that the God who's creating in Genesis 1 is the Word through whom all things are created in John 1. So, check it out. Just like God in Genesis 1, the Word exists eternally before the beginning of creation. Verses 1 to 2, in the beginning was the Word. In the beginning was the Word. He was with God in the beginning, emphasized twice. Like God in Genesis 1, Jesus the Word creates all things that exist. Look at verse 3. It says the same thing twice in different ways. Positively, all things were made through him. And then negatively, apart from him or without him, nothing was made that has been made. Emphasis, through the word, all things were created. And like God in Genesis 1, the word is overflowing with life as the power source for all that exists. I mean, just think about Genesis 1. What's one thing that's just super apparent if you read just the first page of the Bible? Life, life, life is overflowing from God. Plants and animals and stars and all this. It's just over, God overflows with life. And that's what we see in verse 4. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Meaning that life, the creative power of God, brings light and animating power to all that exists. And illuminating animating power to all that exists. In fact, everything that God does in Genesis 1, Jesus, the Word, is doing in John 1. Hebrews 1 states the same truth in this way. God has spoken to us by His Son, the Word, through whom also He created the world. There's creation. And He is the radiance of the glory of God. So even Hebrews 1 picks up the very same theme as John 1, which is in Genesis 1, which is God, through His Word, gives light revealing himself to us, those of us who are in darkness. So why is this important? Why should we care about this? Okay, that was a lot of teaching. What difference does this make? Well, because what we learned from John 1 is that Jesus is the word of God, right? I mean, if I was to give you, you know, if I say my words, right, to express who I am, I need to speak. I need to use words. God is the, Jesus is the speaking, the word of God. He's the perfect expression of who God is, what God is really like. If you want to know what God's really like, look at Jesus. Author Glenn Scrivener tells a story of an army chaplain in World War II named Tom Torrance, okay? Uh, it was, seems like it, during the battle, what happened was uh, they needed more people to attend to stretchers for injured and wounded soldiers. Well, uh, Tom uh, encountered a, a wounded man, injured man named Private Phillips. And Private Phillips was, was uh, horribly wounded. He was dying, and he only had a few minutes to live. 
in the midst of his fear of death and his, uh, and his own personal darkness, Private Phillips look up, looks up to the chaplain, Tom Torrance, and asks him, Padre, Padre, is God really like Jesus? Moments from death, his last question, is God really like Jesus? What do you think, Parkview? Is, is God really like Jesus? Well, as pa- Private Phillips was dying, Torrance recalls what he said to him just before his final breaths. God, is what Torrance says to, to Phillips, God is like Jesus, the only God there is, the God who had come to us in Jesus, shows his face to us and pours out his love to us as our Savior. And as I prayed and commended him to the Lord Jesus, he passed away. In that moment, Tom Torrance knew John 1. Yes, God really is like Jesus. Parker, here's the point. Again, here it is. Jesus is the word that gives light. Jesus shows us what God is really like because he is God. The word was God and is with God. And that's crucial for us to understand in our current cultural moment. See, many of us are confused in our culture about who God really is what he is really like. There's, I think there's two ways we typically think about God, okay? The 2D mistake of thinking about God. Number one is that God is disengaged. Like that 24-7 student I was talking about earlier, God, we, we think, does not really care about our everyday lives. Well, in John 1, what does Jesus show us God is really like? It shows us a God who is definitely engaged in the creation he has made, and he is participating in the world he has created. He's bringing life. He's giving light. All things created through him, like a master electrician, we might say, doing all he can to fix the broken circuits so that there's power surging again. Jesus is passionately committed to seeing the world he has made be filled with his fullness of life and goodness and light. He is passionately committed to that very same thing in your life. How do I know? Newsflash for you, Parkview. You are part of the creation, right? And if Jesus, if the, this is what John 1 is saying, is that God, the Word, Jesus, is overflowing with life and is committed to his creation and is participating in, then that means right now in your life, he is engaged. He's not disengaged, but he is there in the midst of what is going on in your life. And the second thing the second mistake we have about God, not only that is he disengaged, but that he's, he's just had this general disappointment with us. Just a general disappointment. God just, he's like a boss uh, who is nitpicky and uh, he just, he doesn't like the performance we've been putting up at work. That's what God is like. We might think God like that, but look at Jesus, the word revealing who God is from John 1. He is the God who overflows with life. God is so busy with creating life and sustaining life and giving you the fullness of himself, but he doesn't have time to be disappointed in you. He delights in showing mercy, elsewhere it says in scripture. He enjoys loving you. We could say it like this. If you stabbed God in the heart, love would just gush out. 17th century theologian John Owen says it like this. The greatest sadness you can give God is to not believe how much he loves you. Our God, the God presented to us, the Word, John 1, shows us a God filled with life and overflowing with light and illuminating the darkness and creating all things. That is the God that we see in Jesus. He is the Word who is 
light. That's our first point. Now remember, what are we doing? We're trying to figure out, we're trying to understand, trying to embrace that Jesus defeats our darkness. Jesus overcomes the darkness. We see that he's the word who is the light, but now we move to our second point, verse five. Verse five, he's the light in our darkness. There's something unique that happens in verse five. Look down with me. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. So there again is that word that we saw from Genesis 1, but something has shifted in the Gospel of John. In Genesis 1, darkness was a physical entity that was simply dispelled through, the, through God's speaking of light, right? Let there be light, and then darkness separated from light. But now in John 1, especially in the rest of John's Gospel, darkness is no longer kind of this physical entity, but is a spiritual and moral realm or atmosphere that symbolizes a world twisted and shattered by evil. Again, as we further read John's gospel, Jesus will say things like this, John 3, 19. And this is the judgment. This is the reality, Jesus is saying, of how things work in this world. The light has come into the world, him, Jesus, the light, and the people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. So darkness is an image used by Jesus to describe the power of evil that estranges people from God and his life-giving presence. Like a lamp severed from its electric socket, so humans have gone into darkness through sin, building a life apart from God's love. Let me show you what this looks like, okay? See, in our secular culture, many people think that we're basically good or that we have kind of a half-and-half mixture of, of good and bad. And so what we need most is a better education, uh, uh, better politics, a more sustainable pace in life or a better self-image to draw out the good that's inherent within us. But Jesus is way more honest than that and he shatters that understanding of who we really are. He knows that better education, a more sustainable pace in life, the right person in politics, better self-image, right, these might be good things. They are like putting makeup on a cadaver when it comes to dealing with the real darkness of the human heart. You see, Jesus, according to the Gospel of John, he knows this dark world, he knows how it operates, and he knows the darkness within our hearts. So rather than people enjoying the light of knowing God's truth, we are, we are people that would rather embrace lies about God. Rather than people living in the light of God's love, we are a people who live in the darkness of unforgiveness and bitterness in our relationships. Rather than people living in the light of his purity, we live in the darkness of shameful desires and habits. Jesus knows the darkness of my lazy apathy towards his uh, towards his beauty. He knows the darkness of our secret addictions that sabotage healthy relationships. He knows the darkness of our discontent that leaves us feeling bitter about our lives because it's not as good as other people that we see. He knows the darkness of our sin. The little and big ways that you and I daily seek to satisfy our self-indulgent desires in people, places, and things that were never meant to bear the weight of our soul. Parkview, Jesus sees a world in darkness and he notices and understands and tells you about the darkness within your heart and my heart. So what does Jesus do? What does Jesus do when he sees a world filled with darkness, lost in darkness? Well, verse five, what does it say? Verse five, the light shines, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. 
just think about Jesus for a moment. Look at how he overcame the darkness. How does Jesus overcome the darkness? Well, in three of the Gospels, have you ever noticed that when Jesus was dying on a cross, you know what happens? Darkness covers the land. So what's happening on the cross? Well, again, earlier we said the Gospel of John shows that darkness is a symbol for evil and estrangement from God. So what's happening on the cross is at the cross, Jesus, the Word, the one who is full of life, full of light, was overcome by the darkness of sin and its hellish consequences. Jesus was the lamp that was disconnected from the power surge of his Father's presence, dying in darkness, taking upon himself your darkness and my darkness. Remember that 24-7 student who was experiencing their own darkness? They continue their story in this way. This past year, I was able to get help from trusted people in my life and help from my doctor to get medication. While I still have some anxiety, it's manageable, and the number of panic attacks that I have had has dramatically decreased. This is, this is, this is key. But there's an even bigger change in me. I can now see that God is with me in the height of my anxiety. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me was the verse that defined my life. But this is a quote from Jesus on the cross. He's crying out to his own father because for the first time in all of eternity, God has turned his back on his son. Jesus was hanging on a cross, bleeding out and being mocked by the very people he came to save. This was to be the absolute peak of suffering. And this is amazing because Jesus took the real abandonment from God. It may feel like we're completely alone at times, like God does not care and has left us, but that's never our reality. Jesus took the separation, so we do not need to. Jesus took upon himself, part of you, took upon himself your darkness and my darkness and the consequence of judgment that it deserved. A light John 1, 5 says, a light shines in the darkness. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. But if we're honest, even those of us here who have embraced Jesus and love Jesus and have been walking with Jesus for several years, maybe a couple months, we realize that becoming a Christian does not all of a sudden take away all the darkness, and poof, there it goes, and it's happiness forever. And it always feels great. If we're honest, living the Christian life oftentimes feels like we have this consistent battle against the darkness, doesn't it? So what's going on there? Well, the reason for this is because we're not home. We've not yet arrived at the city of light. Revelation 21 says it like this, And I saw no temple in the city, for its temple is the Lord God, the Almighty in the land, Lamb, and the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and its lamp is the Lamb. The Lamb who is slain, the Lamb, Jesus, who took upon our darkness, He will be the lamp. He will be the light of this city, this new creation city that we are awaiting. By its lights will the nations walk, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it, and gates will never be shut by day because there will no longer be night. No more darkness. Darkness dispelled forever in the light of Christ. Part of you, the light of Jesus shines in the darkness, and the darkness cannot overcome it. This is our light in the dark. This is the new creation, the eternal life 
that we have in the light of Christ. You ever heard about the torch flashlight? You've heard of this thing? The torch flashlight is the world's brightest flashlight. It has so much wattage, get this, that it can burn a piece of paper and fry an egg, and fry an egg, okay? That's a lot of light. And Jesus is that torch flashlight for us. Talk about light in the dark. This is the power of the life that we have connected to Jesus. The 24-7 student finishes their story in this way. In the death and resurrection of Jesus, we are given the promise of eternal life. There will be a day when all suffering is gone and when death is no more and when sin will not be our desire. This is only possible because Jesus, get this, right, has already taken these things to the grave. He has taken the darkness on himself to the grave in death. So there will be a day that without medication I will not be anxious. There will be a day when I will never experience another panic attack. But for now, I do not live there. For now, right now, Parkview, you and I do not live in that city of light. We live in this world, in this world of darkness. However, in the middle of the next panic attack, this this student says, in the peak of our suffering, when I feel alone, when the pressure of this world's too much, when I literally cannot breathe, no matter how hard I try, when this student feels the darkness closing in, This is their hope. I can cling to the promise, they say. I can cling to the promise of eternal life with Christ. The struggle may not be done yet, but someday it will be. Parkview, the light of Jesus shines in the darkness. Darkness has not overcome it. I'll close with this. Lord of the Rings, okay? Lord of the Rings is my favorite book other than the Bible, okay? And uh, it's my favorite moment. Sam and Frodo, they're behind enemy lines, okay? They're in the midst of Mordor. They, they, they have this task, right, to go cast the, power, the ring of power in the Mount of Doom. And there's at this point where Frodo is utterly crushed under the weight of the, of the ring, and Sam is feeling completely hopeless as he tries to assist Frodo just to, to make it there. And uh, there's a sudden turn in the story, and this is what it says. They're peeping among the cloud rack above a dark cloud high in the mountains, Sam saw a white star twinkle for a while, and the beauty of it smote his heart as he looked up out of the forsaken land, and hope returned to him. For like a shaft, clear and cold, the thought pierced him that in the end, in the end, the shadow, the darkness, was only a small and passing thing. There was light and high beauty forever beyond its reach. Right now, you think of your darkness. And the thing you got to realize is what the Bible's telling you, what the Gospel of John is telling you, what John chapter 1 verse 5 is telling you, what the Lord Jesus himself is speaking to you right now, is this darkness that's in your life, it is, it is a short and passing and momentary thing. Because in Jesus, there is light and high beauty forever beyond its reach. There is a world coming, a city of light that this 24-7 student was talking about, right? That right now we might not have it, but there is coming that day. And so in the midst of this, like Sam, we must look up. We must look up by faith that in Christ, his first coming has dealt with our sin and his death and resurrection, and the second coming, when he comes and returns to restore all things, he will finally and fully deal with the darkness. The light, part of you, shines in the darkness, but the darkness cannot 
and has not overcome it. Let's pray. Father, we love you and worship you for Jesus, that through Jesus, the light has come. The light has come down into our darkness. You have shown us who God is, Jesus. You have shown us the Father and his love for us, and you have committed yourself to overcoming the darkness. No matter what we are experiencing right now, you will defeat the darkness once and for all. And so we wait patiently by hope for the new creation that is coming. And so come, Lord Jesus. Amen.